0: Good morning. So um, there was a man who said, um, hey, before I had children, I had no children and six theories, and now I've got six children and no theories. (laughs) Hey, happy Father's Day to all who are here. And um, so the premise of a rummage sale is that People uh, go through their shed, they go through their garage, they go through their closet, and they find things that they really don't want anymore, things that they kind of think are worthless and that they can give away to the church, and then the church can sell it, and, you know, one man's uh, junk is another man's treasure, and so, and then the idea is that the church sell it, and then they raise money for mission, for youth, for the women's ministry, for just so many things, and we raised almost $17,000, wow, amen, so I wasn't able to, um, I know, thank you for all who were part of it. I wasn't able to be a part of it. I was out of town, and I was really bummed. I don't think my husband was too upset, like, oh, gosh, what is she going to bring home from the rummage sale? So anyway, I did ask um, the team that was working uh, on the rummage sale if they might at the end of the rummage sale kind of go through and uh find things that you know nobody bought and maybe put some together for me so you know first of all this is almost like um like a holiday in a bag. We have got Valentine's Day. Oh my goodness, we've got a Christmas. Tell me, why didn't you buy this for 25 cents? I am just blown away. We've got this darling for a dollar, you know. Uh, Too late, you snooze, you lose. This is all mine now. Um, But I want to tell you, one of the just real gems uh, was this little number. Um, This is a mesh netting that you like if you're gonna to go to a pot, like at the church, you're gonna have people over or something, you're making your favorite potato salad, and you just, you know, there's bugs, there's ants. You know, to the rescue. You open this up, it covers the salad and the the bugs, the flies. Don't get any of your potato salad. What you really can't see here is the incredible detail. There's this woman on here, and she's got a little, it's just so cute, red and white kerchief. She's got um, green uh, earrings. She's got some 1950s style sunglasses on here. And the interesting thing about this is it came with a container. And originally, somebody was willing to pay $9.99 for it, because I can see it right here, $9.99, not even counting tax. So at our rummage sale, we put it up for $2. And nobody bought it. Nobody looked at this and thought, gee whiz, this is worth two of my dollars. They didn't even think it was worth enough to maybe barter, you know, to negotiate a little. You know, would you take a buck for this? Would you give me a buck for this? (laughs) Where do we find our worth? Where do we find our identity? Where do we find as people... Our value. You know, the letter that we are going through, 1 Peter, is written to a people who are dispersed. They are people who are called aliens because they're standing out. They just don't fit in. Life's really hard. They're they're gonna uh, endure persecution as a direct result for being faithful to Jesus Christ. You know, where is the identity of a church? What is the identity of the people of God? Where do we find our worth? When Peter writes this letter, he writes it to a people who are struggling. And this is called a circular letter because Peter wrote it to the dispersed church in what is today uh, modern-day Turkey, and it would have been sent to one church, and they would have read it. We didn't have email back in those days, no text messages. They would have read it, studied it, you know, maybe copied some of it down, then sent it on to the next church, then to the next church, and then we have it today. And in this second chapter of 1 Peter, talks about where we find our identity, where we find our value. If you're able, will you stand with me, please, as we read the word? Chapter 2 of First Peter, starting with verse 4. Will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, This is the word of the Lord. Would you bow in a word of prayer with me, please? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. O oh God, speak, and may your servants hear. Amen. be seated. Well, one of the things that Peter is telling the people of God, is that Jesus Christ is the living rock. Jesus is the living rock. Jesus is the living stone upon which the church is built. And, you know, this term, this is kind of an oxymoron when you say living stone, because, you know, living and, you know, stone is kind of an inanimate object. It's like saying jumbo shrimp. But the The term rock is used many times in Scripture for God, and it denotes permanency and dependability. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my Savior. The Lord is my rock in whom I find protection, Psalm 18. And in 1 Corinthians 10.3, this is talking about when God's people were Going through the desert to the promised land, 1 Corinthians 10:3. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. Amen. And he's a living rock, Revelation 1, Jesus who was dead and is now alive. And Peter says here that Jesus was chosen. And precious. And he is our cornerstone. And this is referenced in the Old Testament that this cornerstone is foundational to who we are as the people of God. Now, we don't fully understand the meaning of cornerstone. In in, in our day and age, cornerstones are largely ceremonial. We have a cornerstone here at Glen Kirk, but if you remove it, you know, the church is not going to fall, I hope. Um, But You know, we're different. We we build things on on, on slab floors. You know, we have wood frames, two-by-fours. But in Israel, in the Middle East, in in Turkey, um, they, they didn't have a lot of trees, a lot of wood. What they had were stones. Stones were an abundant natural resource. So buildings, the temple, all made of stone. So when Peter here says Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, the very first and the most important of the entire building, they would understand what that means. See, the cornerstone was so foundational that if, if, if it was off, if, if it was damaged, if it was uh, cracked in any way, then though the building might go up and look fine, when it went through tough times, an earthquake, it would crumble. Jesus, the cornerstone, foundational to the integrity of the church. What a powerful word to a scattered church that there was a cornerstone. Christ as the cornerstone, foundational for our salvation, for what we believe in our future hope. He holds all things together and keeps our salvation secure. Our identity as the church and for mission found in the chief cornerstone. For many, though, Jesus is but a ceremonial cornerstone build our lives on so much different things. Peter goes on to say, so to those who believe and will never be put to shame, the living stone is the cornerstone. But he says, but Jesus, the living stone, is a stumbling block for those who do not believe, for those who reject the Christ, who reject the teaching of the word of God then Jesus, the chief cornerstone, is a stumbling block that we take the cornerstone out, we put it aside, we put something else we want, and then we go and we stumble, trip over, and fall. He goes on to say that God is building his church, that we who come to Christ in relationship with Christ are the building stones, like Jesus, we are the living stone, and God is building his church with us. Do you do you remember that little ditty? Maybe you grew up with this. You know this. Do you remember this? Here is the church. Remember this? Here is the steeple. What do you do? Open the door, and here are all the people. Well, let me just tell you, that is bad theology. Okay, and yet good news for a dispersed church because the church is not ultimately someplace we go to. I mean, it's lovely that we've got this facility. I love it in the summer. We just crank that air conditioning. I love it. But the church ultimately is not a place. It's a people. Didn't we learn that during the pandemic that the church stood and proclaimed the praises of God even when we could not all gather together And what that would have meant for the people receiving this letter that were dispersed and they they couldn't go to the temple. But for the word of God to say, you are being built into the temple. You are the church. Verse 5, like living stones being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Matthew in Matthew's gospel Jesus said, "Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am." Hey. And Peter was given the name rock, but he is not the rock that Jesus was referring to when Jesus says, "Upon this rock I build my church, and the very gates of hell shall not come against it." He's talking about himself. He is the rock. He is the perfect living stone. He is our cornerstone. He is the foundation that cannot be shaken. You don't want Peter's your foundation. Denied Christ not once, not twice, but three times. You want that? No, no, Christ alone is our foundation. We are being built into his church. He is the truth. Jesus said of himself, I am the way, I am the truth. And we know what the church is to be and who we are and to whom we belong as we trust in the Lord. Recently, I've had a conversation uh, with somebody regarding the faith and, you know, I've been sharing about many, many things. We've had lots of conversations. They told me that I could share this. Um, and they said to me, you know, Andrea, you know, I don't go to church like you do. And, I'm, you know, I you know, don't read the Bible like you do. But they said, I, I want you to know that I do believe in God. And I'm like, great, hallelujah. I mean, I am not the measuring stone by which people should measure their faith at all. That That's the cornerstone. But I ask this question. I think this is something for all of us. How do we know that it's the God of the Bible that we are worshiping? So we live in a world that I have my truth and you have your truth. And, and, and you know we live in a free country, so that is okay. But Jesus said, I am the truth. In Hebrews, um, the writer says in, verse, in chapter 10, he said, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit, but meet together all the more as the day approaches. Why? Because all this, and then who is God? Well, God is a, something that I create versus a God who created me and is worthy of my worship. Jesus Christ is the living stone, and he is where we receive our message and our identity. And in this identity, it is received and not achieved. Our identity as children of the living God, as living stones who have come to Christ and are being built into a spiritual house to glorify God that is received. It is not achieved. And I want to tell you, this is absolutely radical because in every other religion, every other culture or system, our worth is earned. My value is determined by what I can give, how good I am, I need to try harder. In Christianity... And this, Tim Keller explains this so well, that we receive our identity, not in how much money we make or how much we succeed or where our kids go to school or what kind of father I've had or if I even am a father or a mother. It's not something outside, but it's received through the relationship we have with Christ Jesus. He says, those who come to me, those who come into relationship with me. See? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one is righteous, no, not one. He imparts his holiness to us. That God made Jesus sin, not sinful, but he made him sin to take on all of our depravity and brokenness, all of our failures, all of our not measuring up. And Jesus Christ endured the degradation of the cross and the punishment of hell and rose again victorious. But our worth, our value, our identity isn't in what you think of me. It's not what I think of you. It's not your job. It's not any label that you're wearing on your shirt. It's in your relationship with the living stone who calls you out of darkness, and he gives us this identity. We are chosen. Maybe you were never chosen for the kickball team. God chooses you. He chooses me. We are a royal priesthood. Maybe you weren't invited to the coronation. I wasn't. We are children of the king, and we are priesthood. We have access to come into worship. A holy nation, God's special possession. Actually, that's better translated "peculiar people," which come on, I can attest to that. But that actually means it's who we belong. We belong to this God. Once we were not, but by His grace, we were brought into the light. Once we were not a people, now we are the very people of God. Once we had not received mercy. But now we have received the mercy of God. That this is received in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then through it, the power of his Holy Spirit, we are living stones being built into the church that has the message to declare the glory of God. Amen, amen, amen. Once we were not a people and now we are the people of God. See, that's what this dispersed church heard and I will tell you this if you build your life on anything but the cornerstone of Jesus Christ you will crumble and fall because hard times will come and the rains and the fire they will come and our health will depart 401ks rise and fall, but our hope is in the Lord. The great hymn of the church, just as I am without one plea that thou my God should die for me. Madonna struggling with her identity was quoted in Vanity Fair magazine. All my life, it's always been this to conquer to some horrible feeling of inadequacy. I'm always struggling with that fear. My drive in life is from this horrible fear of being mediocre. And that's always pushing me, pushing me. Because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I'm somebody. My struggle has never ended. And it probably never will. Our identity is in Christ As people purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. At a church my husband and I um, served at some years ago, we had uh, a young man come and share his testimony. His name was Joe Hallett. And Joe Hallett shared from the pulpit that his father, in one way or another, um, gave him an identity that was, was three things over and over in one form or another, and it was this You are stupid you are worthless. You don't amount to anything, and, and you never will. And see, he believed he was stupid, and he believed he was worthless, and he believed that he would never, ever amount to anything. He knew that his father, his, his human father, his biological father, would never love him, never give him an identity that was, wow, well done. He lived in a very dark place of feeling unloved, worthless, looking for validation in very dark and broken places, but it it never worked. He could never fill that God-sized vacuum until he met Jesus, the Messiah, who died for him and called him into relationship that he realized that there was a God, a heavenly Father, who loved him enough and saw value in him that he was willing to send his only begotten son to suffer and die. First John 3, 1, how great is the love the Father has for you that you should be called children of the living God, and that is what you are. You know, I want to encourage you because our identity so often is just, you know, we get all this... Input from the outside world, and we wonder if we're good enough. We compare ourselves. But in your bulletin is is a um, card, and it's got different scriptures that talk about who we are in Christ—that we are the apple of God's eye, that He He sings over us. He, He, I mean, He just He's a warrior who saves, and He takes delight in us. You know, Isaiah says that this is so precious. He He engraves our name in the palm of his hand. That's that's the God that loves us. What are you building your life on? Where is Jesus ceremonial in your life? What happy thoughts about Jesus that are calligraphied on your wall? Hey, Go to the word. Come to Jesus. Stand on the truth. Hard Island is a little island uh, found off of the coast of Long Island. Nobody lives on Hart Island, but it is actually home to about a million bodies—bodies bodies that have been buried there over a period of a hundred and fifty years. You know, people who nobody claimed. No, nobody thought enough of them to to go and mourn at at their final resting place. And so, and there's even mass graves there of people who are totally unidentified and all put in the same grave. Every body is placed in a cheap, crate-like coffin set side by side with backhoes of men and women in hazmat suits covering them with dirt. People who were deemed worthless by society. People that nobody saw value in. But somebody erected A large white cross right in the middle of Heart Island, and it says this He knows us all by name. He knows us all by name. Whether or not we're considered successful or worthy in the world's eyes, as a child of God, (laughs) we are given a name a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received the mercy of God. Have you ever come into relationship with Christ? Do you know that your identity is nothing that the world can give you, but that there's a God who finds you precious? We are loved, and he knows us by name. Would you bow in a word of prayer with me, please? Gracious Lord, we thank you that um, in the rummage sale of life, you do not overlook us. But God, you see worth and value in us. That you, oh God, went to the cross to forgive us, to cleanse us, and to draw us to you. And Lord, we want to pray that we're Satan, who is like a lion just seeking to devour and to destroy our faith, God, that you would help us stand firm in our identity through the truth of your holy word, of who we are as children of the King, bought and paid for by the redeeming work of the Messiah. Blessed be your name. Amen.